Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and on this podcast, we talk about mental health, addictions, and really anything anyone's afraid to talk about, we talk about it on this show. I like to make people afraid to not talk about these things at the end of the day. I believe everyone's story is valuable. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. You're all welcome on my platform. Before we get started, though, head over to the YouTube page, same name as the podcast. Hit that subscribe button, turn on your notifications, or head over to my Instagram page at Depths of Dark Side. Catch great clips from each episode and great mental health tips about ADHD. I suffer from ADHD. I don't like to say I suffer from ADHD. I have ADHD and it's a part of me and a part of my life and a part of my journey. But no further ado, I'd love to introduce you to my next guest. I got Melissa Devine from the Iowa area of the United States. She's an author, a speaker, a trauma survivor. You want to take it away and let them know a little bit about you, Melissa, and what you're all about? Yeah. So my name, like he said, is Melissa Devine, and I am a new author. I just put out my book, which has now, of course, turned me into a speaker as well, which I love. I am also a tarot card reader, an energy healer, and a law of attraction life coach. As you said, I survived a massive trauma. I don't know. Do you want me to go just start going into that? Yeah, like what happened with your trauma and you've explained a little bit in your book and stuff like that. What's your book titled and stuff and where can people find it? Let's start there. Okay, let's start there. So my book title is called From Madness to Magic. It is on Amazon and it's on both Kindle and paperback. Everybody says it's the one thing I've heard is what a great read it is because I had dyslexia growing up. And so I spaced it, made the font really big and really big spacing. So you can just kick back and read with ease instead of it being such a, I have to get so close to the page and there's a million words on there. And I did that for me, but everybody has come up that bought the book and said, oh my gosh, I loved the spacing of the word. So I'm definitely going to do that. I'm sure with ADHD or AD, that would be the same thing. That ease of it helps. So anyway, it's from Madness to Magic, and it is on Amazon Prime. Or you can go to my website, which is melissadevine.net, and that will bring you to the Amazon Prime site as well. That's amazing. It's awesome to see that you've been inclusive for everyone, whether they're suffering from a learning disorder with dyslexia like yourself, ADHD. But if you make it an easy read for everyone, it just it's easy for everyone as a whole then. And they can follow along much easier. I like the spacing just from what you showed there in the on camera there, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm all inclusive in so many ways in my book, I think, because that's what this journey of my life has been about. I have had and I'm not coming. I'm coming from a survivor standpoint, not a victim standpoint at this point in my life. Thank goodness. But I have been through so many different things. And in hindsight, gave me the ability to be able to understand so many different different types of people and different types of struggles. But like you said, from learning disabilities to suicide attempts, self-harm, mental health, I went through bankruptcy. I lost my business. I rebuilt my life. I had eating disorders. Like, unfortunately, and fortunately for this part of my life, I have been able to understand so many different struggles that people go through. That's amazing. It comes from a place of empathy and compassion, it sounds like, for the work you do today. Let's take us back to being held captive for that eight hours or whatever that 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 really dark day in your life there. What was what happened? What led up to that? And what was that all about? The interesting thing is I was an addict since I was a kid. And it's really weird when I look back and I can 
pinpoint these specific moments where I'm like, wow, back then we didn't talk about it the way, like you said, we're talking about it today. Thank goodness. And I'm hoping that people can start to pick this out with our kids because I remember, I don't know if you guys have dare where you're listening, but we had dare, which was like keeping kids off drugs. I can't even remember what it stands for, but it's to keep kids off drugs and it's in school. And my sister and her friend were a couple of years older than me in school. And I was in like fourth grade, I think. And they got in the car and they said, we had this thing called dare today. And we learned about these drugs and there's this stuff called cocaine. And they like did a minute speech. Like, this is what cocaine is. This is what bad things happen from it. And they wanted to move on with the conversation about recess. And I kept saying, tell me more. Tell me more about that. And looking back, I was like, it was already genetically or it, part, it was part of my path. I was already like, I want to know more about this cocaine, which is so crazy in fourth grade. So I was really an addict from the very beginning of life. And I think it has to do with being an empath. I think so many kids are empaths. They're feeling the energy of people around them. And because they don't understand and nobody's teaching them, hey, these aren't your feelings. This is what's happening. This is how you can handle those feelings. They self-medicate very early. And that's where I think a lot of drug addiction comes from. And so that's touched on my book, not that particular story. But anyway, so to go to the night I was held captive, I had actually, I was, I became a drug addict and I finally was 30 days sober. And it wasn't even a, oh, I'm going to get sober type of, it was a, everything just came together in my life. And the drugs just fell away and life was awesome. I was in this great place. And then in one night, everything changed. And what happened was I was held captive for eight hours in my own home by a stranger. And during those eight hours, there was obviously a lot of in and out, knowing what was going on, knowing what was going on, going through shock, et cetera. But when that time ended, the way that it ended was he looked at me and just very straightforward said, I have to kill you now. And that's when I knew it was like a fight or flight moment. It was going to end. And so I ended up escaping. And after escaping, unfortunately, that was only the beginning of the trauma. Now, I don't want to give the whole book away, but something that happens so much in this country is that, unfortunately, our justice system is made up of good people, but there's a lot of mistakes made. And there's unfortunately not good people in every career that we come in contact with. And so the justice system actually covered the crime. And I fought and fought until I couldn't fight anymore. And at that point, I went back into addiction. And that's where I became an alcoholic. And I was an alcoholic for seven years. And it's crazy because there's so many things that happen in the justice systems all over the world, like you were just talking about. And it, it's sad to say, but you're, it's so true. Like things get covered up all the time, everywhere you look, even up here in Canada, a lot of the time things do get covered up or brushed under the rug or shouldn't be brushed under the rug. And right. then they find people that are innocent and then they've been charged with things that they shouldn't have been charged with. It's a, it's an ass backwards system. If you ask me some days. And it really is. And it's really sad. Like you said, 25% of the people imprisoned are actually innocent. And then you have all these innocent people that are so damaged by telling the truth and not being heard. And people always say to me, that happened here. And I say, where do you expect it to happen? But the truth is, nobody expects it to happen wherever you're in. It doesn't happen around you. 
And that's our thought process. And that's part of opening up the world, too, is just getting people to understand that this is happening all over and then making sure that we're building in the support system. 10% of all of my book sales do go to charity. Every month I pick a different charity and it is something that's national so that no matter where you're buying the book, you're also helping support something. And this month I am doing it for it's called To Write Love on Her Arm. And that is for addiction specifically, as well as the things that go along with addiction, such as self-harm, suicide, and mental health disorders. That's amazing that you support. It's nice to see people like yourself and others supporting these things that need the support that may not get a ton of funding or a ton of money as well, which is nice to see. So I appreciate you sending money back to where it needs to go. Thank you. I say I wrote this book for four reasons. One was selfish. I just needed to be seen and heard. My story was not seen. It was not heard. So many people out there and I was, see me, hear me, let me speak up. The second one was to reach all the people who are like me, who haven't been seen and heard. Because when I opened up that platform, the amazing thing was the story started pouring in from all different walks of life, all different types of classes and countries was this happened to me or that happened to me. The third reason that I did it was, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later, but the things that I discovered on the way, this magical spiritual world that unfolded and started just flying at me when I got into alignment with it and the things that manifested from that. And I wanted to open up that world to everybody to help people see that world as well. And then the fourth was to contribute to the charities. That's amazing. I want to segue back and circle back to the beginning when you were talking about addiction from young age. And it was embedded in you. Now, do you have uh, people in your family down the generational tree that were addicts or alcoholics as well? Yes. Yep. So I always like to try to educate people that I think addiction really comes from genetics and trauma. And those two mixed together are, you know, it's going to happen. 100%. I, 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 I hear you there. Like 100%. It runs. It doesn't. It's not like it runs deep. I don't know how far back it goes in my family on both sides, but I know there are People that are in recovery now are still alcoholics or addicts out there in my, in my family and stuff like that. And it, it's like that in every family. Right. And it, it, it's, it's in there. every family. And that's where I wish that, and I think it's happening, but that we're starting to talk to kids like young adults. We need to start talking to them from a very young age. These are the feelings that you're having. This is where they're coming from so that we're addressing that area. But then also, hey, this is completely normal. When I started dating my boyfriend, my book was coming out and I said, you have to talk to your son about this because he's on social media and it's going to talk about how I tried to commit suicide and self-harm and all these very big people things. And I said, but he needs to know this anyway, because we need to start teaching people the compassion behind, it. you know, that this is coming from, this isn't like a, let's go party every night and addicts are out there having fun. Addicts are in a huge amount of suffering. And that compassion needs to be taught from a young age. It doesn't mean that you lower your boundaries or that you accept those things in your life if you're loving an addict, but it does mean that we start teaching from a young age where that compassion needs to come from. 100%. And I believe in not sugarcoating it. I spoke to some classes last year, earlier this year, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that, but I didn't sugarcoat it either how it was with the way my addiction grew and just spiraled out of control. I didn't go into crazy details. You got to teach them on a level that they can learn and react and stuff like that. But there's no point in sugarcoating it to these younger generations because they're not going to learn if you don't 
tell them the way it is or tell them, you know, how it is, or this is, these are the consequences if you do this, or if you do that sort of thing at the end of the day, tell it, shoot it from the hip and tell, right. shoot it from the heart and tell them the way it is at the end of the day and not beating around the bush. That's why I was pretty graphic in my book and it was very vulnerable and it was pretty graphic. And I did that because in the movies, for instance, when a woman gets raped, you see a little bit of a struggle and then it goes black. And then you see her life falling apart. And there's a reason for that to an extent. But if we don't talk about the depths of what people are really going through, it's like when someone says their parent has cancer, if your parents never had cancer, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. But it doesn't hit you the same way. If you say I'm going through a divorce and you haven't felt that, it doesn't hit you the same way. And so words have a lot of power and we need to give that power back. And sometimes shooting from the hip and saying, this is what that struggle really is. Not, oh, they're addicted, but hey, this is what addiction is. This is what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. This is actually the horror that was my life every single day. When you go to that extreme, then the compassion comes from that, I think. For sure. And you have to have that compassion for others as well, because people are out there struggling still. And like you said, it's not the addiction, but it's the traumas and the, and it's so much more deeper rooted than just a di- You don't really know that person's story. Maybe take the time to ask them what, what has happened in your past or what has happened to get you to where you are today. Maybe they're homeless or whatnot, but at the end of the day, they're all just like you and I, we're all human. And that's the thing is trauma always starts the cycle of addiction, but then addiction leads to more trauma. Because you're in these circumstances where you're just seeing more and more trauma. You're around people who are also traumatized and are not making good decisions and maybe out of their mind when they're on drugs, et cetera. And so then you are in trauma, which makes the addiction stronger. And then that brings on more trauma and addiction just hurt. That's part of, I think, that vicious cycle that people don't understand is that you're constantly being traumatized and then self-medicating the trauma and round you go. Yeah, you're never taking care, being vulnerable or opening up about that trauma. So again, you just go back to using drugs or alcohol and then it just starts that cycle all over again, like you just said, for sure, 100%. And that was the way it was for myself personally. I can't speak for everyone else, but if I didn't start speaking up and speaking out about what happened in my past, I don't think we'd be here today doing this podcast either. And then you get into what I had a problem with, and I discuss this in the book, is that when you go through severe amount of traumas, you block that out. And so how do you heal something that you blocked out? That becomes a really big issue for a lot of people, especially if you talk about children, like for instance, who have been adopted and what happened to them before adoption. There's all that trauma in somebody's subconscious and their energy field. But again, if you don't remember, how do you deal with it? And that's where I go into energy healing. And that has saved my life in so many ways. And that is why I do energy healing as well or light working for other people. Because if you have that energy trapped in you and you don't know, how do you get rid of it on your own? You can't. So that's where that modality comes in to really help people as well. So how did you find yourself getting into energy healing? What was your first experience with it? And how did you get to where you are today with that? So I grew up in a holistic home and I'm not talking uber holistic. I'm just like, my mom was, ooh, energy healing, ooh, psychics every so often. And and she was into herbs too. 
But my brother and sister were like, this is weird. I don't want any part of this. And I was like, this is, yes, this makes sense. Like to me, it was this inner knowing and it always made sense. So I did have a healing or two as a younger person. But what happened was after this trauma, my mom actually started dating an energy healer and psychic. And I met him and she said he would like to do a healing on you. And it changed me so much. It just gave me so much relief that I started seeking that out, getting more energy healing. And then, and there's all different kinds and modalities. But after about, I can't remember, a couple of years, I contacted my mom's now ex-boyfriend and basically she contacted him for me. But I was like, I am at a place now where I want to start helping people. I want to start doing that too. And so now I do that as well. Nice. That's amazing. And I, I love that. I can feel the energy through the screen here, which it. is awesome. I can feel like you just have so much passion behind you as well. You're so radiant as well, which is awesome. You know, Thank passing you. off that energy, even though we're many, we're a country away, a bunch of states and some provinces. But yeah, I know it's awesome just to see that life back in you from reading what you've told me about your story so far. It's nice to have that life back in you, isn't it? It's a completely different person. And I was skimming over my book in the last couple of days because there's so much that happened in my life. This was such a journey. And so it's almost, oh my gosh, sometimes you forget. Yeah, but when, you, when I sat down to write, it just poured out and it poured out so fast. But when I was reading my book, it talked about how like I would look in the mirror as an addict. And again, a lot of people think that you're just like in this addiction and having this party and having this fun. And I talked about how I would look in the mirror and how I used to have fire in my eyes and they were just muted and dead. And I could see that. I remember looking in and being like, this isn't me, but it is now. My skin was gray and my lips were thin and chapped. And just to say, oh, I can see that energy and I can see that it's so nice to have it there. It's been, I just celebrated six years sober last week. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I just you. recently celebrated three years. So that's awesome. How's your three years been? It's been honestly a roller coaster. It hasn't been easy. I'll tell you that. It, mm -hmm. And it, life's never easy. It's things don't get handed to you on a gold platter like I thought they should in addiction. Everyone right. just owed Chris everything, but that's not <laughs> the way it is. I actually had to do the, you have to do work. You have to, you know, and I'm still doing work today on myself, whether it's going, I still go to therapy. I talk to others that are struggling. I volunteer with the homeless helping them out, other addicts in the community. I love doing that. Every Wednesday, I go and feed, serve coffee to the homeless, feed the meals, chat with them one-on-one -on -one just to see how they're doing, help them out if I can get them a coat or a sleeping bag or a tent. Recently, I thought, you know what? It felt so good just to give back. Like I collected like a couple SUV loads of sleeping bags, tents, winter clothes for the homeless in the community. And and, and donated it. So it just felt good coming together as a community as a whole in the city I live in and be able to give back. I'm glad to hear that you were honest about it's been a roller coaster now. It has been easy. Yes, I got to three years, but it has not been easy, people. It, it isn't easy. If someone tells you it's easy, it that they're bullshitting you. It's really interesting because this year five to six was actually my hardest year. And I would have been someone who would have told you it was easy at the beginning. Because what happened was I had lived a life of misery so, for so long and it was so bad. And not that mine was worse than anyone else. I'm just saying it was so bad. And so when I got sober, it was like I dove in to studying like around the clock. If I was not at work, I was studying. 
I studied all the different, not all, but I tried to study like all the different religions and pick out what I liked from each one. I studied mindfulness, meditation, law of attraction, energy work. And I was just like, I was just like growing so fast that I was like, I love myself so much. This is so awesome. I would look at like the trees and I would just cry because I'd be like, how is this world so beautiful? And I never saw it. And so it was awesome. And then what happened was this year out of nowhere, I was baking of all things ham in the oven. And when I went to pick up the tray, the juice lit off the side and started burning in the oven. And I closed it because it wasn't done. And when I opened it back up, that juice had burned, oddly smelled like cocaine burn. And I was like, that smells so good. And I started fixing on how good it smelled every single day and everything that I missed, which is the worst thing you can do, right? Because nostalgia is never real. It wasn't good. It wasn't fun. It wasn't, but you start ruminating on that over. And I was like telling myself, like, Melissa, you are focusing on the wrong thing. But I just like my mind. And that's what addiction is. My mind just started going on that trail. And I did not relapse. And I'm out of that now. Thank goodness. But I am so glad I had that experience because I would have been someone who would have told you it was easy because it was easy for me. And now I'm like, oh, wait, you think year five to six is the year that hits you? That's crazy. At five to six, you would think you'd be like smooth sailing. hundred percent. But it's not always peaches and roses or whatever you want to call it. You know, it, you have to get down and actually do that work and, you know, dig in, dig deep into yourself, find out who you truly are, share those experiences with others at the end of the day and to help one another. And I love how you touched upon, because I've walked by people, especially the homeless community and they do drugs wherever they can do their drugs and walking by them sometimes can be triggering to an extent, or it can be a trigger for my wife as well. She sees people doing drugs because that was me at one point. So that does trigger her, but I'm grateful that today we can have those deep conversations or those emotional conversations. And she's allowed to have those feelings, triggering feelings when it's, she sees someone else. Cause that was me at some one point in time too. So it's, right. it's nice to always have those conversations and remember where you came from though, too. And then the thing is too, is like you said, like the triggering is so important because a lot of times people say like when they're healing, they say, why am I going backwards? I already dealt with this. And I always tell them it's like a spiral staircase where you're not going round and round. You are going up because you're understanding it from a new perspective every time, which means you're growing. And so a lot of times when we go, I got triggered. OK, that was three years ago because someone could say that was three years ago. Get over it. But the healthy thing to do is go, oh, we are three years clean. This has been a roller coaster ride. What is triggering now? And what emotions do we need to address as a couple? 100%. You know? And it's good to have those conversations. That means that you're growing, like you said, but you're not living in that same stagnant relationship with yourself, beating yourself up and those types of things. We're going to have bad days and we're going to have good days. And that's okay. The bad days, hopefully, or the good days, hopefully outnumber the bad days, but you're still going to have bad days. You just got to learn how to navigate through them. And those at the beginning, those bad days are so much more than the good days, because when you get sober, you have to look at all the mess you and that's that period of time is so that's where people relapse. And that's where you also build your like total self-esteem and strength. 
is when you go, I made this shit show. And I have to just forgive myself for that and keep moving forward. For sure. And we have to give yourself a pat on the back once in a while and say, I created this mess, but you got to learn to know how to dig yourself out of it. You got to learn to make those amends with others as well. Sometimes it sucks saying sorry for the things you did or you're apologizing for the things you did. That's where you grow. And it just feels like this amazing weight. I don't know about you, but when you just let go of things, it's just this awesome like weight being lifted off your chest. Absolutely. So how did you get into like law of attraction as well? Like you, you just started diving deep into everything there. I you did. Know, what does law of attraction mean to you? Okay. Yeah. Let's start with what it is and then I'll tell you how I got into it. So the law of attraction is where we are all energy, which obviously is a fact. We're all made up of energy. And what the law of attraction is the belief that your energy comes off in wavelengths. And so whenever you're on a wavelength, you're meeting things on that wavelength. So if you're in a positive wavelength, you're meeting positive people, places, and experiences. And when you're on a negative wavelength, you hit negative people, places, and experiences. Now, the thing is that it has to do with your feelings because when it's your feeling, that vibration is coming off you really strong. That energy is coming off you really strong and it's attracting it back as strongly as it goes out. And so when you are really mad about something, it comes back just as fast. And this is a really good example. You know, when you get your, you get your belt loop on your jeans hooked on the door as you pass by, everybody's done that. And they're like, why the hell does that happen? It's always when you're having a bad day, is it not? It's the weirdest thing. You're having a bad day and you're just pissed and you're like, I spilled my coffee and duck. And all of a sudden you walk by the door and you get caught on the door and you're like, what? That is the law of attraction. It's like, it's that quick. And that's why when you see people who just can't catch a break, I call that a law of attraction shitstorm. You are like, you can't catch a break and something bad happens. And so you spend, you put out like a negative vibration and then you attract something else and pretty soon you can't catch it and it just snowballs. And that's why like people always say bad things happen in threes. It's the law of attraction. It's just attracting more and you've got to learn how to stop and level out that vibration so that what you're attracting. And then the other big thing with manifesting, because the law of attraction is manifesting, which is a hot button word these days. But the manifesting is really important to not worry about how it's going to happen, but what you want. Because if you knew how it was going to happen, you would have already happened. Exactly. So all you have to do is decide what you want, get out of your own way. Now, there's some science behind this. There's what's called the RAS or the reticular activating system. And that's actually a filter in your brain. And it filters out to make whatever you believe true. And so the example I like to give is, let's say you just got into real estate and you're really bad. You can't sell a house to save your life. You go, you know what? You're telling your friend, you know what? I'm a really bad real estate agent. I need a mentor, but I don't know where I'm going to get one. And then you go to a coffee shop and five tables over, someone says, I'm my real estate agency is going to start a mentoring program. Your brain will literally filter that out and hear that. Where had you not made that decision five days earlier, if you had heard that, your brain would have filtered it out. It would have been background noise. That is literally how your brain works. And so it's so important when we talk about the law of attraction to understand there's truly a science behind it. And all you have to do is decide and your brain starts turning on this filter to hear and see where the solutions come from to make that happen. So I was always meant for this. This was like my purpose in life. 
and we all have different purposes and some are big and some are small, but this is one of my big purposes is this book. And when I was 24, so my trauma happened when I was 25. When I was 24 and a half or whatever, I, The Secret came out, which is the book about the law of attraction. And I got the book and I was reading it. And before I could finish it, the trauma happened and everything fell to the wayside. My addiction took over, et cetera. So right after I got sober, I got home one night and I literally looked at my dog as I opened the fridge and I was getting the food out to food prep. And I said, a bottle of vodka sure would be nice. Not a glass, because that's not what an addict does. I said, a bottle of vodka sure would be nice tonight. And I turned on the TV and on the screen, the secret, that book, seven years later had been made into a documentary and it was on my Netflix screen when I turned on the TV. It was I like exactly what b movie you're talking about too. Everybody know? needs to watch it. If you're listening, need to watch it. It's a great introduction. It does not go through all the nuances, but it's a great introduction. And Bob so Proctor I, was a great teacher at that. He's amazing. And I yeah. love Dr. Joe Vitale. He's on there as well. I love his energy. And it's um, so funny you talk about this stuff too, because my friend, I'll shout him out, John Maxim, awesome man. When, when he started doing Bob Proctor's work and doing his programs, and we have a good friend of ours is one of the head sales guys for Proctor and Gallagher up here in Canada, but he, when he started doing that and then that's where he became, he just decided one day he quit his full-time job of 17 years and he's always been a musician and he's, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're doing this. This is what I'm doing. This is what it's been telling me to do and quit his job full-time career of 17 years and he's now a full-time musician it did it he said i did it at the craziest times because literally two months later the pandemic happened but now he's putting on his first keynote concert so we're doing and i'm emceeing it, it we had already talked about this chris you're emceeing the first event it's coming up soon too but it's he has three speakers and four bands and that he wants to continue doing these keynote concerts so that's amazing but lots of his songs are about Basically, like one is one song's called New Vibrations. That's one of his songs. Another one he wrote that's been in the works for almost nine years, I think it was. The one he just released is it was about this homeless guy that he saw on the way home from work every day and he got to know him. So he wrote a song about this homeless man that he had talked to every day. That's amazing, too. I want to hear that. I'll have to send you the links. Yes, yeah, you John will. John Maxim, everyone. Check him out, though. He's an yeah. awesome musician up here in Canada. We will definitely check him out. Yeah, The Law of Attraction, it comes back in uh, another book that I haven't finished yet, but I'd like to finish it and go back through it again. It's Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. I've heard this. Yes. Amazing. You know, if you're looking for the Law of Attraction, it's another, I can't remember the exact name of the doctor that wrote it, but it's, it's originally from like the 50s, I do believe, but it's been redone a few times. A doctor from New York City, I do believe, so, mm -hmm. or a psychiatrist, so. Then you got to get From Madness to Magic by Melissa Devine as well. Exactly. Because it's all in there too. I spell out like story. The great thing I think about my book is that I just say it's like a textbook wrapped in a true crime. So it starts off as that true crime, which everybody's into these days. And so you get that fill. And then the second half of the book turns into a textbook through story. And I always tell stories as opposed to, I, I'll give my basic, but then it's always like, here's a story to back it up because as human beings, we are emotionally driven. And so if I tell you a story about how I put the law of attraction into work in my life, you're going to remember that story five years down the road before you're going to remember a whole bunch of statistics, for instance. And so the second half of my book is still just my story of my healing. 
but it goes into all of this. So you're learning as you go. And I always tell people, read the book once for fun and then put it down for a couple months, go back and chapter by chapter, take note. Because if not, you're, if you read it and you, a lot of people told me like, oh my God, I flew through it. It was so good. I read it in a couple of days and I'm like, just make sure you pick it back up because otherwise you're missing the lesson because you could not get all those lessons in a couple of days. Even things like how, when I got sober and I started using the law of attraction, okay, I picked five things and I made an Excel sheet and I, to raise my vibration. And I made an Excel sheet and I put them because you don't form a habit in a day. So a lot of people have good intentions. I'm going to do this law of attraction thing. It's going to be awesome. And a week later, like half of the stuff have fallen away. So you need to do the practical application behind it. And my book is full of ways to do those practical applications or how to spot things and messages. And it's like you said, a habit doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't. You got to continuously do them. I like habit stacking too. start with one or two things and continuously do those for a week or two, then add another one. And don't overwhelm yourself, people with 10 things at once, because it'll never go well. It never has for me personally, especially with someone that has ADHD. If you just consistently get up and read 10 pages or write in your gratitude journal at night every day. It just becomes a habit and it just becomes it's in your brain. It's embedded in your brain. It's like going to the gym. It's not going to happen overnight either. Having that transformation, if you want to build muscle or the physique or whatever it is, or become healthy, it's going to take a year or two to actually have that transformation. You're not going to see it's consistency that helps being inconsistent doesn't help. It does not. (laughs) When you talked about the gym, that reminded me of that. I always tell people I use the gym as a metaphor meditation. That is one thing where a lot of people will say it's so helpful, but most people say, I tried it once, I couldn't do it. And I said, would you go to the gym and try to lift 300 pounds and say, can't do that, can't lift weights and never go back? You wouldn't. You'd understand. I can't go in and lift up 300 pounds. I got to start at 55. Exactly. You got to build yourself up. And that meditation is really like that. Exactly. And I use the, when I do go to the gym, I slacked last week was we just got married. This will be pre-recorded, but. But getting back, it's just, you got to get right back into it though. Don't keep, I'm going to go the next day or I'm going to go the next day because the next day never. It's like me as an addict saying, I'm going to quit today or this is the last time I'm buying bullshit. I said that to myself for many years. It was just a, you had to have that. It's only you that can decide if you want to quit doing drugs or the whatever addiction you have, because there's so many different forms of addiction. It's not just drugs and alcohol. Some people do like to think addictions come in forms of sex, gambling, food food, eating or not eating or the gym, even, you know what I mean? Some people abuse the gym. And that was one thing for me as an addict. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying there's healthy ways to be an addict at the end of the day, but, uh, but you gotta just watch yourself when those, those unhealthy habits creep back in at yourself or those types of things is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, And I love that because As an addict, a lot of time you have to watch that you don't replace addiction. So I worked out all through my addiction. I was a super high functioning addict, which made it hard for anyone to tell me to stop because I was like, you can't tell me I have a problem. Look at my life. I have a business. I go to CrossFit at 4 a.m. It was actually like 6 a.m. But when you stop the addiction, you're going to usually pick up a new addiction. And a lot of times it's a healthy addiction, but that doesn't mean that it stays healthy. And so that's really important to watch for too. Like you said, some people abuse the gym and it's like, you can get addicted to working out with, which is just as unhealthy as not working out or any other thing. 
Yeah, it was just like, or when I started this podcast, even it became an addiction. It was just something replacing another at the end of the day. And I had to have that balance of personal life balance, work balance, and doing the podcast and stuck it instead of doing it every day, all day when I wasn't working, I had to like, all right, we got to do it like one day. We'll pick one day and that's the day that you do everything. You know what I mean? Stay focused and do what you need to do in that day and it will get done. But you have to learn how to stay focused too and use that time wisely, time management, right. which I'm brutal with some days or most days. You're not good at it most days or you are good at it most days? No, not all the time. <laughs> not, not a lot of the time we'll say, you know, sometimes my mind will wander and let's get, let's do this. Or it's, it's a task list for me, especially with someone with ADHD and I'm sure other people that have it will totally get it. I have task lists and if those tasks don't get done, I beat myself up sometimes or get full of anxiety, but sometimes you just got to go with the flow. Right. And know? that's where the meditation really helps. When people ask me, when do you meditate? I always say you do it in the middle of the day. And that is uber hard for most people because they go, I can't stop in the middle of the day. And I say, but you can send an email that you got to clarify twice because you screwed up because you were so frazzled, right? Like you can spend half the day not being as productive because you snapped on somebody because you were frazzled. And now it's on your mind and you feel bad all day. And it's like, you can't get it out of your mind. And so if you stop and meditate and ADD and ADHD are their own things. I'm not saying meditation cures things. I'm saying, oh, meditation is a great thing that helps because that's one thing with me. I get super frazzled and I always got to stop and just stop for 10 minutes and be like, you got to stop. <laughs> and when you stop and you like go back to Zen for 10 minutes or even realize a lot of times when I lay down to meditate, because I like to lay down, the first thing I notice is my jaw is clenched. And my fists are like this, like my fists are literally clenched. And I'm like, how productive are you being? Like, how good are you like coming off to other people? If you're trying to, especially if like you're in sales, do you think your energy is really inviting if your fists are clenched and your jaw? But if you no, stop for those. That energy giving it off. I love that you say that because I'm in car sales, actually, believe it or okay. not. That's what I do full time. You gotta, you can't give off that energy. If someone else, you gotta learn to put some things aside and put on that smile because if you, give off that negative energy to someone they're not going to buy from you. They're not going to want to deal with you. Oh, that guy looks grumpy or that guy looks pissed off. Why, why would we want to talk to him sort of thing? I've gotten that back from customers before when I'm having mm -hmm. a bad day and I'm giving off that vibe or sucking the energy out of the room sort of thing. Right. And that's where, when I started implementing the law of attraction, I actually cut my hours in half and I doubled my income in six months. And that was, there's a lot to that. It's not like it was just the law of attraction, you have to have everything in alignment. But when you are frazzled and you're go, you end up selling less usually than when you're calm and you're relaxed and people can, like you said, they can feel that energy and they're relaxed in your space and they're listening to what you say. That energy is everything, especially For if you're sure. in sales. Energy is huge, whether it's in sales or in your personal life. Like people, people can see that, that when you're down or out and stuff like that, and you just give off that negative energy and it sucks it all out of the room. And I've been known to do that, but I got to put things aside sometimes and sometimes just don't worry about it at the end of the day. And because it's not something that you can change. So why right. be pissed off about it? And that's hard when you're used to ruminating. That's a big thing for me. I've really had to work on is I just go over it and over it in my head. And that takes a lot of work to overcome. 
For sure. Constant work. 100%. You always got to be working on yourself. It's a one day at a time thing. You know, don't jump ahead and don't worry about the past. You can grow from, you got to remember where you came from so you don't go back there. Because, you know, where you came from got you to where you are today, though. Right. So what is a day-to-day life look like for Melissa today, though, without alcohol and drugs? Life is good for Melissa. Life is good. So obviously I'm on this new adventure with the book. And so that has been amazing. That has been a dream come true. So what happened was I actually wrote this book three years ago and I end the book by talking about writing the book. And so this was very divinely guided. There were all these signs and these messages and all this kind of magical stuff happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am supposed to write this book. And I wrote it and it sat for three years and it was like this huge dream. And I couldn't understand why it wasn't coming to fruition and why the pieces of the puzzle weren't working. Like I was guided to do this and now it just sat. And now in hindsight, now that it's happened, I see, of course, which hindsight you always go, I see why. And so if we can remember that in the moment, life gets so much easier. If you can go, I don't understand how this big puzzle is coming together, but I know when it's for my highest good, it will work out. And so now that it's come together, I'm like, oh, I get it. It's awesome. So yeah, I am doing, I am just, I've sold, been selling my book for about two to three months now. And it's been going awesome. Like I said, I live off of the people giving me their stories back and sending me pictures of these magical things that are happening in their life. And I love talking to the, doing the podcasts and things like that. On a day-to-day basis, I'm human just like everybody else. And so while I have all these practices and these rituals like meditation or making sure that I'm visualizing is a really big thing. And for some reason, it's the hardest for me to do. And so just like everyone else, I get really strong in my practices from day to day. And then I fall to the side. And then I'm like, how did I fall away from it that far? How did I get here? I was doing that every day for three years. Where did that go? So I just started like making that Excel sheet again. I'm like, I got to get back to some of the stuff that I've been missing. And I just post about that on my Facebook page as well. A tarot reading came through for the collective that said, get back to the basics, basically. And so, yeah, I love to get everything going first thing in the morning. If I can do my visualization and you guys, this is like the best thing ever. If you can put on a song and dance first thing in the morning, you get that like energy going, you get in this amazing place and then set your timer for two minutes. And for two minutes, picture things that already happened in your life that you're grateful for. So like, This time that a little kid in your life did this funny thing and the time you got your cat or your dog for the first time and you remember that feeling. And then after those two minutes are up for two more minutes, picture all the things you want to have happen. And what your brain does is it associates what you want as though it already happened because you just spent two minutes on what already happened. And it changes that RAS, that reticular activating system. It like switches it into overdrive. And so that's one thing I'm doing right now every morning that I'm back to. And oh, to dance first thing in the morning, nothing's better, but I'm a bad dancer. So I do not do it in front of anybody else. Ah, come on. We're going to get a video of her sometime (laughs) on Instagram or Facebook. I have actually posted it, but it's not pretty. My my dance moves aren't pretty either. And that's okay, though. It's not the joy. Exactly. Just getting that good, positive energy running through the room and running through your body. It's all just getting that body moving. It is. It's an active meditation, actually. Medi- dancing is an active meditation because there's no outcome desired. You're not moving to this place or moving to that place. You're just moving. 
And I like how you just mentioned too, when you're talking about the RAS, the reticular activating system, you're thinking about these things like they've already happened. It's like writing that gratitude as well, or writing like just manifesting things that you want to happen, but you write them down as if they already have happened things so that you can really think deeper. This is the way it's going to look, or this is the way it looks already. Even though it hasn't happened yet, write it down as if it already has happened though. And that's the same with anybody struggling with self-esteem because we all go through that. I just came out of a period where I would write out things. I am statement. So I am so strong. I am articulate. I am a good speaker. And I wrote 10 of those a night. So again, like it's already like I believe it, even though I'm having some trouble with it. And it was really amazing. About 20 days in, I was like, I feel the shift. So writing it like it is the most not I can't wait till I am. It's I am this or I love my life that blank. That present moment. It. Exactly. Write it out as if it's already happened or you're already doing it, people. But yeah, I mean, we've almost. Oh, Go ahead. Got a time? No, no, not yet. Oh, terrible. OK, I was just going to say one thing I like to do on top of that is I write out those statements and then I burn a candle. So I like put the paper under the candle and then I burn the candle and I'm like, this is lighting up my intention. Nice. You know, because everything that we do is just intentions and that's what the law of attraction is. You understand that this energy that comes out of you create. And so again, if you just put that candle on it, it's, oh my gosh, it's just lighting this up. It's like sending it out to the universe and you're just amplifying that energy as well. For sure. That, that's amazing. I like that. Uh, you got to use that. We have lots of candles at our house. We love, my wife loves candles, different scents and everything like that. So we <laughs> use that. Every North. girl does. <laughs> we even use, we got a diffuser. I love the diffuser and some essential oils too. They're great. Certain. Oh yeah. I, we just thought you brought me back because I was at a fair a couple of weeks ago and I just met the nicest lady and her daughter, like her whole family. When you just feel that good energy, talking about energy. And she was selling these candles and we ended up buying four, two candles and two warmers. And it was that energy. It was just like, I just want to support this lady. She's great. Like, I just want to keep buying more. And her candles were amazing. Don't That's get me wrong. Lot. But it's that energy. Look at how the podcast people can't see me, but look at how I started smiling when I talked about her. It's like, that's the kind of person you want to be in the world that when someone talks about you, they start smiling. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love your energy. Like I said earlier, it's very radiant. It comes off as genuine and compassionate. I can just feel it. Thank but you. we're almost at the end, but we did talk earlier. We'll possibly yes. do an tarot card reading. So maybe Let's we will have a little it. surprise for everyone. Let's do it. Why would we not? That's the question. Okay. So for the tarot card, what I'm just going to ask is what do we all need to know this week? What do we all need to focus on or know? And I am using the Lightseer's deck, the Lightseer's Tarot. I should give props here. It's the Lightseer's Tarot. So let's just go ahead. Set three cards how I do where they just jump out. So they'll literally just jump out of the deck for us. All right. And we actually had four come out. So let me just see here what they're going to say. Ooh. Okay. So what does the collective need to know? Okay. So what it looks like is there was this time where everyone who's listening, and when you hear this is still relevant, if you go, oh, this was broadcasted two months ago, it's whenever you hear it, spirit knew you were going to hear it. And so then they know that this message is for you now. And so what it looks like is there have been a lot of decisions in your life. 
And a lot of times what you've been doing recently is you've been going a little bit too much into the logic and you've been shutting down some of those emotions. You've been putting those to the side. And it's important to, to have that balance in between your emotions and your logic. And sometimes we have to favor one more than the other in certain areas. And so it looks like you really leaned into the logic in this area of your life. But what happened was you shut away a passion a little bit. There was some passion that was there. And when you went into the logic, you lost that like fire inside of you. And that, that time is coming to an end. That time of just going logic, just going passion, this is your message that needs to come to an end and you need to really find a balance in that area of your life. Because when you do, everything is going to start coming in. We end with the Queen of Cups and the Queen of Cups has like just this, like she has this insightfulness. There's this message coming down. She's in tune with her emotions. She's nurturing. She's calm. She's kind. She's caring. Every, the water is still. And so it's just this really beautiful energy where everything starts coming together. And so that's what the reading really is. Hey, there's been this logic and then there's been this passion. And at some point you started separating those and it's time to bring those together and that area where you've separated yourself into two different places, bring that back together. And when you do that and you start nourishing those two areas together, there's a message that's going to come through and it's going to start leading down a new path because whenever one thing ends, a new thing begins. So I want to know, did that hit home for certain? Like when you heard that, were you like, oh, this is the area? I, I feel that. No, I, it did hit home there. Just having, not worrying about the logic of things and shifting my energy towards something else instead of worrying and worrying. Yeah, it hit home for me totally because the book, when I made it, it was so fun and it was, I was so passionate and so excited. But then with anything, you have the administrative work behind it, right? And that's not my jam. I do not like the whole hummery of all that. And I got lost in that for a while. And that's why I said just this week, I made that Excel sheet because I said, I'm human, just like everybody else. I practice what I preach and then I fall off and then I practice what I preach again. And so I made that because I was like, where did my passion go? Right? Like I got into just, okay, set up these book fairs and set up this and set up that. And now it's coming to an end. And like I said, it's all today, just awesome. Like this just reinvigorated all my passion. It's so fun to just have conversations with like-minded people and know that we're going to have other people hear us that are going to spark these moments of change in their life too. So I it definitely it. hit home for me. I hope it hits home for everybody listening. I know it will at the right time because that's how the magic always works. Thank you so much again, Melissa, for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. I truly appreciate it. And before we go, though, let everyone know where they can find you again. Uh, you know, over on Instagram, Facebook, uh, your website. Yeah, so I am melissadivine.net is my website. My last name is Divine, which a lot of people are like, is that your real last name? But just make sure you spell it correctly because it is D-E-V-I-N-E. I am divine, but it's not spelled that way. So melissadivine.net. And then on Instagram and Facebook, I am Melissa's Magical World. And please not only follow, but send me messages with your magic. Or if you see where the tarot card, oh my gosh, that hit home. I live for those messages. This is why I'm doing the work I'm doing is to actually know that I'm helping people that can resonate with the work that I'm doing. So please send me a message and tell me awesome things. 
thank you again, Melissa, for taking the time out of your day. Well, I truly you. appreciate your energy, your smiles, just the passion you put into, I can feel that passion in your voice too, and hear that passion in your voice. So thank you again for coming on the show today. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a platform to share. I really appreciate it. It was great. You're very welcome.